And welcome into the Magic Weekly Podcast, Monday, February 3rd. I'm your host, Jake Chapman. The Magic with a busy week and a half here before the All-Star break. It'll be the Charlotte Hornets tonight in Charlotte, Boston, and New York on Wednesday and Thursday. Then home for three more games into the break. Milwaukee, Atlanta, and Detroit will sandwich the trade deadline in there as well. That's this Thursday at 3 p.m. And to discuss that and more, we welcome in our guest for the program today. Kurt Heeland is one of the best doing it. He's the lead NBA writer and managing editor for NBCSports.com. He's at Basketball Talk on Twitter. Kurt, thanks for taking the time, man. I appreciate it. I know it's a busy time. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me in. Absolutely. I, I, I appreciate it. we got the trade deadline approaching. Obviously a very exciting time around the league. It feels quiet right now. Uh, why? Is it, it feels like there's a whole lot of factors going in. Kind of a weird trade deadline. I think you have probably some overextended cap situations from the last couple summers. Um, a potential cap crunch coming. you got the summer of 21 with the free agency. Uh, not a great free agent market this year. Are all, all of those things weighing in to what is potentially a quiet deadline and do you even believe it'll be a quiet couple days i got a feeling it's gonna be quieter than people expect yeah i i I, there's gonna be a lot of buzz and a lot of talking but i'm not sure a lot gets done and it has been quiet leading up i think there's two key reasons for that a i think we were all kind of distracted by distracted it's not the word i'm looking for but but with the kobe situation like some of the some of the nba airspace that would have gone to um with um you know to talking trades and the run-up and and frankly, like Zion Williamson playing well and some other stuff has just kind of been absorbed with, with the passing of Kobe. So that's a little bit of it. But it's been quiet also because a lot of teams that would be sellers just aren't right now. I think, you know, I mentioned New Orleans. They're a good example. I think Orlando could be in this group. There's others. But New Orleans is a good example. They suddenly get Zion back. They're winning games. They're, you know, they, didn't, they didn't win against Houston, but they've won you know, a string of games coming in. They're four and a half games back of the playoffs, and they're kind of like they're talking themselves into, hey, do we really want to give up Drew Holiday? Do we really want to give up Derek Favors, uh, which is another name that gets bounced around a lot on trade market, or do we want to keep this together, make a push for the playoffs this year, get the band back together next year, and see what we've really got because this is starting to look really good. Um, there's a lot of that going on. I think there's a lot of teams, Sacramento, a few others, that where they can kind of talk themselves into, you know, we're a playoff team. So maybe we're not making a move, right? Or, or even if we're a bottom playoff team, sometimes teams will sell out of that. And right this season, they're really not. And so it's just been slow for teams to get selling. And there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of cap space out there. Atlanta was really the only team with much cap space. And that kind of got some of that will get absorbed. They just, there's not a lot of like, oh, I can trade this contract and move this around space. All of that's adding up to, I think it'll be a really busy summer, but a lot of quietness now. Plus, there's just not, because of this no calf space, there's just no appetite for moving Chris Paul. And I'm not sure it would, the way they're playing in Oklahoma City, I'm not sure they want to, but like the Chris Pauls of the world, um, there's just not moving. Those big contracts are off the table. You know, Bradley Beal and Kyle Lowry signed extensions, so they're not going anywhere, you know, until maybe the summer at the earliest. Just a whole lot of factors came together to kind of quiet the market down. I still think there's going to be moves. There's a lot of contenders or, you know, teams that believe they can be contenders looking to make moves. There's just not a lot of, I mean, there's just not a lot of good options. And those, some of those teams, you know, the Lakers, for example, or Bo- and Boston, really have limited things they could do to make a move. So it's just the whole thing's been combined, just turned to be really quiet. Does it feel like to you, Kurt, maybe there's been, and I don't know if this goes all the way back to, uh, to Hinky and the Sixers, but 
Has there been a shift, you think, in the way front offices build their rosters um, when you're rebuilding, when you're in New Orleans or in Oklahoma, and, and rebuilding for Oklahoma is a relative term, but when you have young talent and, and you've got a treasure trove of draft picks, or I'll even throw Detroit in there because Derrick Rose's name has been mentioned, yep. and we know major changes are coming in Detroit sooner than later. It feels like now front offices are beginning to acknowledge we need some veterans on board, not just to, to sort of do the day-to-day show our young kids how to be a pro, but you could really sort of accelerate a development of a player like Zion, if Derek Favors or Drew Holiday is on the floor with them. Has that changed, you think, over the last couple of years? Whereas, you know, you've seen Phoenix and, and you've seen a lot of front offices say, this is going to be our young core moving moving forward. And it's really hard to develop, not just win, develop when you've got a whole bunch of kids out there. It is. I think that there, I, I think there's two parts to that. A, the Philadelphia model there were lessons learned out of that by teams in terms of building, but also, and, and, and look, Oklahoma City's followed it in a sense. I mean, they've got, what, 14 draft picks right. over the next six years, five years or whatever. I mean, just ridiculous numbers of draft picks coming uh, and pretty good ones in there potentially. But Sam Hinkie lost his job. Every The lesson every GM took away from that is, hey, he lost his job. Right. The owner said, and, and you can only rebuild – with the appetite that the owner has for the losing, right? Like you can only go so far down that, as far down that road as ownership will let you go. And Tom, you know, Tom Gores out there, not Tom Gores, I'm sorry, that's Detroit. Um, Harris out in Philadelphia. Um, you know, I'm all for it. I'm all for it until it just got too painful, you know, and, and the league was coming down on him a little and all this. And that changed the dynamic. I don't think you're going to see anybody go that far again, but and I, I think there's the other part of that is that teams recognize exactly what you said, which is if I've got a good young player, if I've got, if I'm trying to develop and, and look, Orlando has been a really good development program and they've, they've brought along some nice young players. In the past. If you don't have a veteran around to show them the ropes, if you talk to any, um, any really good veteran, they'll talk about the, the guy on the roster when they came into the league, who isn't necessarily, the star, right? Like it wasn't Jared Dudley's been doing this for a few years, not so much this year with the Lakers, but with, with other teams in the past years, although he's done it this year with the, um, with Kyle Kuzma to yeah. agree in Los Angeles takes guys under his wing and said, Hey, this is how you be a pro. Look who showed you. Know, you got to show up early. You got to do this. this. This is how you be a pro. This is how you be a professional. You need that guy in the locker room. I'll, honestly, that's one of the reasons when you talk about new Orleans making trades, JJ Reddick's not on the table and they've got a, I don't know if they told him they wouldn't trade him because to get him to come there is part of this. But I think the other part of that is if you've got Zion and you've got Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and all these young guys, JJ is exactly the kind of guy you want in the locker room, isn't yep. he? Like, not only a guy who, I mean, who was as heralded a player as come out of Duke and forever, who had to completely A, reach, change his body, like physically get in a way better shape, but change his body in a lot of ways change his game, accept a different role, modify who he was to become a, it was a, a good two-guard, right? He's never quite an all-star, but we were talking about a, a quality two-guard who could help a lot of teams and, and not always been a knockdown shooter, but he had to do all these other things to get his game there. That's the guy you want in the locker room. That's the guy you want. That's the kind of guy you want showing, and there's, there's several of those around the league. So I think everybody's come to the conclusion you can't just do that anymore. Um, Tristan Thompson may get traded at the dead deadline from Cleveland, but you're going to have to overwhelm them with an offer. Um, he's become available more lately, but you're going to have to blow them away for just that reason. They love him in the locker room with you know Darius Garland and, and Colin Sexton and their young guys. 
Tristan's a great example. I mean, he started the season as a buyout candidate. They'd be crazy to buy him out now, right? Exactly. They won't buy him out. At this point, um, I don't know. You know, the buyout market's going to be interesting. It's really tough to predict post-trade. There's a lot of teams. You know, Andre Iguodala is the name that keeps coming up, although I got a feeling he just gets traded. And honestly, I know that – well, I shouldn't say I know. The, the, the buzz around the league is that they've got a fallback offer in Dallas there uh, to trade him. But I wouldn't be shocked if the Clippers did it. Not just because you could help the Clippers, um, although they've got some decent wing players. <laughs> you know, they're okay at that. Spot. <laughs> Not bad. But, but they don't want the Lakers to get him. And there's a weird arm. But part of what's going to be going on the next week is just this weird arms race in Los Angeles. So the Lakers really don't have the pieces to get stuff done. The Clippers do, and they might take Iguodala just to keep him out of out of the Lakers' hands. What's his market look like? Uh, just matching salary in a couple seconds? Yeah, a couple seconds. Uh, maybe a good second. Yeah. I, and I think that that's what uh, Dallas can throw in. Dallas has a uh, – um, now I'm going to forget off the top of my head if it's 2021 or 2020, but they have um, – I think it's this year. I think they have Golden State second, right. which, will be a, you know, which will be a high second. Uh, that's that's going to get you somewhere. Because those, those picks, I don't think people realize – Picks, the first round picks after about 22, 23, look, that's still a good player. Like, you're still getting a player, but you are now locked into giving that guy money for at least two years and probably three or four while you suss out, you know, just how good and how much you can develop player, you know, whoever that player is. Once you get to 30 and 31, you know, you get those early second round picks. That's basically a wash. That's basically the same quality of player that you get. From you know the, the the bottom ten of the, the bottom ten from twenty one twenty two on through about forty is in the ballpark of the same. They're graded out a little, but you're not way off, and you don't have to pay those guarantee, guys guaranteed money. Those are really valuable contracts. That's where Draymond Green has gone, and some of these other guys in recent years. There's some gems in there who you can find, and those are really valuable picks. Like teams want those because if it doesn't work out. You're not stuck paying the guy for a couple of years. We're talking to Kurt Heelan from NBC Sports, uh, doing a little trade deadline primer here on the Magic Weekly Podcast. All right, as you go through the names, Kurt, the the big dogs that may be dealt over the next couple of days, Clint Capella's popping up quite a bit. Drew Holiday, yeah. we mentioned. Uh, D'Angelo Russell sounds like he's heating up a little bit. Drummond, Kevin Love, those might be a little bit more far-fetched. Who do you think will be the biggest name to get dealt if you had to put some um, – just put your reputation on it. That's it. Just you and me. Just you and me talking. <laughs> right just my, my, my <laughs> your, your professional shot, reputation. So yeah, it's, it's my professional reputation shot. So we're focused. <laughs> well, you're doing my podcast, so clearly. <laughs> um, no. They, um, Capella I, quickly becomes the one – I don't um, – I think that's possibly the biggest name out there. I, I will say this. Drew Holiday is the name everybody wants, but you're going to have to blow the doors off of Oklahoma, of uh, New Orleans to get him. Yeah. Maybe that happens. But you're talking about so the teams that could use him are talking, you know, Denver, some of these teams, talking three-team deals now, and it gets really complex. So I'm not – if you said more sure to be moved, I kind of think it's Clint Capella. Houston is sitting there realizing, looking at the – Looking at, you know, well, they got exactly kind of what they should have expected out of Russell Westbrook, in my opinion, but they realized that they're not even, they're not better than they were last year with Chris Paul. They're yep. a very worse team, frankly, I think slightly. But the West is, look, they're just not knocking off. For, and I don't know that they can knock off Denver or Utah, but they're definitely not knocking off either of the LA teams. So now, what are they going to do? They're looking at bold strokes, and that Clint Capella becomes their most tradable asset to go get picks, to go get. I mean, interestingly, the the, the you know, Borjanowski's report was that they're talking about getting another wing. 
if they trade Capella, they got to go get a center too. They can't roll, exactly. You can't roll. You can't roll through the West with your tallest guy being six seven. It's not with PJ Tucker. Not, yeah, PJ Tucker. I like PJ Tucker a lot, but if he is not, you know, a skying rim protector, and you've got to go up against either in the some combination of Rudy Gobert or Jokic, and then the LA teams. Sure. No, no, those teams are huge. The Lakers are. You don't really realize it until you see the Lakers in person. I can't remember if they've gone through Orlando not or yet. Not. They have, and I did. Yeah, they're, they're huge, aren't yes. they? Yes, they're they are. They're a long, big team, and you don't really realize it until you see them in person where they just start – And I mean, Philly, we, I think a lot of people realized was going to be that way, but I think the Lakers snuck up on people. They're long and athletic, and uh, I don't you're just not getting through the West without somebody who can protect the rim against them, and I just don't know. I don't know. The Rockets are fascinating. I mean, reports now that they want to get under the cap, and it, 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 like yeah. when you spin it forward, I mean, they're they're locked in. Like they're going to have to probably yeah. try to plan for next year, the year after, trying to make an honest run with the core of Westbrook and Harden in place. Um, it doesn't mean they can't do it, but you still got the head coach sort of a cloud yeah. over there. I mean, it's it. I, I, I hesitate to call it a mess because they still have two very talented players, but I it, there are a whole lot of questions around that organization right now. Yeah, I, I, there's been a lot of buzz about, and this this frankly all comes back to Tillman Fertitta, the, the, uh, I think I'm pronouncing that right, the owner. There's a sense that he's not, he, he, he'll say what a lot of teams will, which is I'm willing to pay the tax, but are you really willing to pay the tax? And I, I think he's going to say the same thing, everybody, and we were just saying, which is they're not a contender. Right. Am I paying the tax? for this team to get bounced to potentially in the first round, depending on what the matchups end up being. I mean, right now they don't even have home court in the first round. Um, so I don't think that they're, I think that they're looking possibly to get out from, un, you know, under the tax line. Um, and like you said, try, try to set it up to make a run. It gets way more complex than that though. I, I will just say, obviously I think most people know um, Mike D'Antoni, the coach there is in kind of a lame duck situation. Mm-hmm. He does not have a contract for next year. There's all sorts of buzz that there's a lot of tension between or or a, a different viewpoint of how things should be handled between the owner and GM Daryl Morey. Mm. And they almost couldn't fire him this year, weirdly, because of the China thing. Like, then they would look like they were – it would look like China got its way. Like, the league would have freaked out if they fired him then, um, even if they were – even if they were thinking about it, which is one of the buzz, you know, one of the things that was buzzing around this summer is that there's a lot of tension there. Um, it wouldn't stun me if it happened next year. And I don't think, Ch- and the funny thing is, I don't think China would have that much to do with it. I mean, that, that hit their pocketbook, um, particularly in Houston. But I don't think that that would be the driving force as much as you've got an owner and a GM who just are not kind of on the same page right now. Yeah, I think, um, you know, if, if they looked like a team that could give one of the L.A. teams or even Denver or Utah, like you said, uh, a run in a seven-game series, then everything would be smoothed over. But like you said, I mean, those to me are pretty clearly the top four teams in the Western Conference, yeah. uh, and Houston's a step below. Let me ask you about another team out West that, that had high expectations coming into the season, the Portland Trailblazers. Um they look like a team to me where I'm going, okay, it's not working this year, and, and they've been playing much better lately. I think Ariza helps. I think Carmelo did help. Obviously, n- neither of those guys are going to be you know, panaceas 
for everything wrong there. But until you get Nurkic back, like I'm not breaking up that core. I'm not trading CJ yeah. McCollum because I want to try to make a run this year uh, again in a Western Conference where we think we know who the top three or four teams are are going to be shouldn't they just sit on their hands and say we got to run this back next season and I'll I'll say the same thing about the Washington Wizards even though Washington is in a much murkier situation um, Washington's got a lot of good young talent uh, a lot of good young big men I don't know if they'll be able to pay Bertans this summer but I'm waiting to see what it looks like even though Wall's contract is so scary you know I'm locked in I'm going to run it back I'm going to keep Beal I'm not going to move any of these young uh, pieces that I have and I'm going to see what it looks like next year it's got to be hard for teams to just say you know this season ain't our year we're going to do it uh, and try it again and run it back next season but I do think there are a couple franchises who would probably be prudent to do that yeah and I think Washington is going to do that too because that's what ownership wants ownership does not want to to rebuild their ownership definitely wants to to um to, to find a way to make a push to make a play, you know a playoff push down the line um and they look let's be honest if they get John Wall back next year with, with Bradley Beal they, sh- they should be a playoff. In this right? conference? Like, Absolutely. I mean, if nothing else, I mean, are they a threat for anybody at, you know, Milwaukee or whoever you want else you want to put up at the top? No, not not without making a move or two, but they're absolutely a playoff team. They're absolutely getting back to that, and then maybe maybe they're dangerous. You know, maybe they make some moves and they can get dangerous. They've obviously new GM there, new, new, new moves. So um, I'm with you. I don't think they make a move. I will tell you, though, that, like, Every team is calling about Davis Bertans. It's just I'm sure, and rightfully so. Hey, anybody need a tall stretch four who can play some D and knock stuff down to the mid? Like he fits virtually every team. Everybody's calling. Nobody's getting anywhere. Um, the only concern for Washington and what what Washington really has to find out in these cases, and this is true of a, a number of guys over the years, but Bertans is a perfect example. You better find out whether you can keep him or not. Like you better have a sense of yeah. If you can, if he's just not happy, and you know, look, he's going to have options this summer as a free agent. If he's not happy, then you better trade him now and get something back for him, because you're just, you know, he he has it, it's his choice this summer. If he's happy, if he likes it there, if he likes the team, he likes the city, you might have to overpay a little to keep him because you're Washington and he's going to have content. You know, well, I would say contenders knocking out the door. I'm curious who will be able to move money around to get him because um, the teams that have a lot of money this summer. Like he's not going to Atlanta, like I, or right. maybe I'm wrong, but I just can't pick. You know, I, I think you'd have, might have to overpay, but you've got his bird rights, so you can overpay to keep him. Um, but it, that's one to watch. Um, Portland is def- definitely the same thing. Look, they've played better. They're only, I think, two games out of the playoffs now. Is there a hotter player in the league right now than Damian Lillard, no. who's just just destroying everything? And I, I, I got to say, you know, I and I, um, you know, I've, I saw him in person with the Laker in, in Los Angeles at that, the, the Laker Kobe game. Um, and he's just, he remains, I think on the top of my list of players I would pay to see. Like, hmm. I don't know. He, he's not the best player in the league, but in terms of pure entertainment value, I just love watching him play. He will, he's, he will shoot from the logo. He will drive into the trees and score. He can find the open guy. Uh, just each does a little bit of every, not a great defender, obviously, but just offensively, he just, he is fun to watch play basketball. Um, but they're, I don't think they're running anything back. I think that there's some long-term discussion there. Would they have to trade CJ to get a piece that fits a little better with how far can you go with Dame and CJ? Um, we're not neat, neither of which are, you know, it's 6'2 at the tallest, I think. Like, yeah. It's not a very big backcourt. At what point does that get you in trouble? 
especially in a West, again, where the Lakers and Clippers are big. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see where they go long-term, but short-term they are doing exactly that. that. For people who don't know, I mean, I don't know how much you got to see them out there in Orlando for fans. Nurkic was, the, I would argue, their second-best player last mm, year for really? a lot of the season. Like, he was – he became – he became able to do what, you know, and I think Orlando's used um, uh, uh, Gordon in this, um, you know, Aaron Gordon in this role. Um, most famously, it was something that they did a lot with Golden State and, um, you know, and, and Green and Jokic gets used this way. They put him either put him at the at the at the elbow and let them run the offense through him, or run a pick and roll and then hit him on the short roll and he gets the ball at the free throw line and he can find shooters. He really opened up their offense. He was just phenomenal before this injury. And their idea is, man, we get him back. We don't have to deal with, with Hassan Whiteside anymore. Right. And, we, you know, we, it's exactly that. We think with Carmelo and some of the pieces we've added, maybe, maybe we can be a threat next year. Let's see what we've got before we have to make anything drastic. Because the next step for that team, if you're really going to build something, is probably something relatively drastic like trading CJ, but they're just not there yet. Well, and they do, they've got great young talent. I mean, or at least yeah. a young talent that people are intrigued with. I mean, Collins injury was really a killer for them, but yes. you know, Simon's, I mean, there's a, there's a whole lot of potential yeah, there. Little, there's some, yeah. there's some young talent. They can turn into something in the future. Absolutely. And, and those, those guys can step in and fill roles and, and it just, the whole thing worked on paper. They looked, you know, good this year. And, and the question was how far could they go? And this, they, you know, injuries kind of really, hit them harder than expected this year, but I, they're going to run it back. Um, and ownership there is ready to run it back. This is, you know, uh, it's not Paul Allen, but they've still got Paul Allen money. So um, owners, the family there. So it's just, it's not going to be, they're, they're going to run it back. Let's zero in on the magic a little bit before I let you go, Kurt. I appreciate you taking the time. We're talking oh, to Kurt Heelan from NBC Sports. Um, it's it's obviously not been an ideal season so far. You're still in the playoffs right now, but scuffling as of late. Injuries have been a big concern. Jonathan Isaac going down was a big blow. I can make the argument DJ Augustine going down was an even bigger blow just because uh, there's a really big drop-off from Markel to, uh, to the backup point guard spot right now, even though Michael Carter-Williams has played pretty well. But, you know, J.I. goes down, and you still have Aaron Gordon kind of as a defensive ace, and it's a very solid defensive team as is, but what it does is it robs you of the opportunity to 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 see what it's going to look like moving forward. And and Isaac's obviously a a core piece of this team. Do you expect a busy couple of days for the Magic? And, and from thirty thousand feet, um, I guess just what you know, what were your expectations for the team heading into the season, and, and what are you seeing right now? Yeah, my expectations were that they would be a playoff team. I, I, you're right; injuries hit them hard. Jonathan Isaac made a leap this year. I mean, he was just. He's playing so well on defense, yep. and and his offense is coming along, where it wasn't. You know, you're not hiding him, right? You're like you, you can, he adds some points. So, I, I'll tell you what, man. There would have been a lot of Jonathan Isaac calls. They would have been turning away mm. at the trade deadline. Yes, um, um, they and wisely. You just that's you don't turn him. You know, you're not trading him right now. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where they go. I think you're right, though. The, the DJ Augustine thing, the, the point guard situation, they have to find a point. Fultz might be the point guard of the future. We'll see. But you, you need another one in the short term. And I think that sometimes this happens with injuries where you're like, oh, yeah, but we got, all right, yeah, Kyrie Irving goes down and we've got, but it's okay, we've got Spencer Dimwitty. Yeah, but who's behind Spencer Dimwitty? Right. And it's kind of the same thing there. Oh, we got Markel Fultz. All right. But then there's, a, you've still got to play somebody else 15, 20 minutes a game. And, Who's going to, you know, that's where the drop-off hits you, um, that secondary. So 
I, I think that obviously they need to find a, a, some more depth at the point guard market spot. And but these might be summer moves. Um, there were a lot of teams. Evan Fournier is obviously the name that's come up a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had a fantastic year. Um, going back to World Cup, he was <laughs> he was great for France at World Cup. Um, there's a lot of teams interested. Who couldn't use shooting, right? Like what team? This is another guy where if you can plug him in almost anywhere, and he's going to have real value because he brings shooting. But he, yeah, he can defend it. He can put the ball on the floor. He can do some other stuff. Um, he's got a more well-rounded game than I think people realize. So there's real value in him uh, around the league. And I guess the question is in Orlando: if you're going to make him part of the future, are you going to bring him back and see how he fits with Isaac and and make you know whoever you end up with at point and, and where this goes and Fultz. Or is this a sell-high situation? Like, we may not get a higher, better market for him, and maybe we should do this. If not now, maybe, you know, down the line. But maybe this at the deadline, maybe an offer comes in from somewhere that you just can't turn down, you know, that, that, that sets you up. And I'm not sure where that is. It's not Clint Capella. I'm not sure where that is. Uh, I'm not sure that you're looking for another big, but – well, the tricky um, part is it's funny. It's funny, Kurt. You bring up Capella because, like you said, if the Rockets deal Capella for a wing, well, they're going to have to go out and get a center as well. The Magic can't afford to shoot uh, to, to trade away their best shooter right now because shooting's been the biggest issue with this team yeah. so far this season. So if you move Evan, and I appreciate that his value is super high right now, he's had a great year and his contract is friendly with that yeah. player option. But you better bring back some shooting, otherwise you're putting on the season essentially. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it, it would take a uh, what I've. It, it, there was a lot of talk going back to, and I was at um, uh, before, right before Christmas, at the G League showcase, and he was a name that came up a lot out there um, as a. But this is at the early stages of trade deadline, or, you know, trade talk where teams are like, well, "I like that guy," you know, the, the, without excessive concern about um, how available they were, mm-hmm. and, and at that point, you know, they were like, well, "Maybe the Magic will want to trade him." And that's really cooled down because the Magic, again, you will I, never say never to a trade. There's, you know, outside of Giannis and like three other guys, everybody's tradable for the right ridiculous package. I just don't think anybody's going to get there with Orlando and give them enough to make that a deal that happens. And I've, I've, I have not heard his name near as much in the last couple of weeks as I did, you know, a month or two ago. Yeah, and there were rumors earlier in the season about Aaron Gordon. Uh, and obviously, anytime a team is, you know, coming in under expectations, um, I think there's yeah. going to be a lot of names bandied about. But do you expect probably, if the Magic do anything next couple of days, it'll probably be, um, you know, a, a smaller ancillary type of move? I think that's that's kind of what, what direction it's trending towards. Yeah, exactly. They seem to be... They're in as the third team on a bigger deal, or and and just moving some salary around, taking something of value back for that, or making something small, something smaller happen. Um, I don't see them. Aaron Gordon's another one. Yeah, I heard early on that was a name that came up, but now I just don't see. I don't see them making a big, big move. Maybe that if they decide they need to get there, then maybe that happens this summer. You yeah, know, I think. I think that there's going to be a lot of the big names. You know, Beal's still available. They can't trade him until this summer, but that's not, you know, we'll see what happens. Again, they want to run it back, but that's not completely crazy. Chris Paul, especially because he's played well, uh, maybe he looks better if he's only got two years left on that contract. And I think you'll start to see some other bigger moves, and maybe that's when you can talk about those kind of moves in Orlando. Um, they're, you know, they're just not there right now. 
Uh, he's Kurt Heelan uh, at Basketball Talk on Twitter. He's the head NBA writer and managing editor at NBCSports.com. Does a phenomenal job. Make sure you check out all his stuff. Kurt, really appreciate the time. Great stuff. We'll catch up down the road, okay? I look forward to it. Take care. All right. There he is, Kurt Heelan. Jake Chapman here with you. Follow me on Twitter. It's at JakeChapmanOM. This has been another edition of Magic Weekly. We're back next Monday here on the Magic Weekly podcast, OrlandoMagic.com. <laughs> 